Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. You're not just gonna let him die like that, are you? My shoulder angel. Don't listen to that guy. Uh, you guys know how in movies someone will like have a, a little devil and a little angel appear on each of their shoulders? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, where is this going? Here's here's where this is going. I want you to like imagine that. He's trying to lead you down the path of righteousness. I'm going to lead you down the path that rocks. I'll come off it. You come off it. You. But instead of one telling me bad things to do and the other telling me. To do the right thing, um, imagine that one is delivering happy, positive, fun, good news, and the other, the not-so-good stuff. Um, who, wa- who wants to be my little angel, and who wants to be uh, the little red guy? I'll, uh, I'll, 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 be the, I'll be the angel, because uh, I don't think the angel has been around for the last <laughs> eight or nine months. <laughs> All right, there we go. <laughs> I guess that uh, that leaves the one and only Dan Diamond as, as the other guy here. <laughs> I don't know what to say here, but hopefully you have some sympathy for the devil. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Adam Kankren and the Rolling Stones sure hope you can guess his name, Dan Diamond, on how some of the best signs of returning to normalcy are emerging just as we enter what could be the most dangerous phase of the pandemic, with the holidays just around the corner. Well, let's uh, start with the angel. Let's start with the good news here. Um, Adam, what should make us hopeful about the pandemic right now? Look, this is like uh, potentially the best week that we've had since, what, March? Since mid-March at this point, especially in terms of the pandemic. Just moments ago, we learned preliminary results show a new coronavirus vaccine from Moderna is 94.5% effective in phase three of the trials. I mean, you have now potentially two vaccines, two COVID-19 vaccines that are ridiculously effective by the standards of what we were expecting. I mean, if you go back to when this vaccine development process first started, we were hoping for something that was more than 50% effective, right? Maybe 70, 75% range. Today, we're looking at two vaccines, one from Pfizer, one from Moderna, that are in the range of 94 to 95% effective. I mean, that is just leaps and bounds above what we were expecting, especially for the first two vaccines ever for coronavirus. But we begin tonight with breaking news. The FDA announcing late tonight emergency approval of the first rapid COVID test that can be completed entirely at home, unlike other at-home tests. And on top of all the kind of promising news about the vaccines, uh, on Tuesday night, we got the notification that FDA has authorized the first at-home coronavirus tests. And this is something that officials and experts have been waiting for for months and could make it a lot, a lot easier for people to kind of surveil themselves, to monitor themselves and make sure that, you know, if they are exposed to COVID-19, they can catch that infection as soon as possible and without spreading it to a whole bunch of other people. All right, Dan, I uh, I don't want to look over to the other shoulder, but I'm gonna. Um, we got the bad news. Public health officials have been warning about cases skyrocketing during the holidays, during cold weather for months. Joe Biden, the president-elect, warning of a dark winter. 
Are we there? Unfortunately, I, I think we are. Biden was right. Cases are skyrocketing around the country. We have gone from tens of thousands of new cases confirmed per day to well over 100,000 per day. The pace of the pandemic has picked up. And just to pour some cold water on what is very promising news around the vaccines, yes, they may be 90%, 95% effective in these trial populations, but that doesn't mean they'll be 90% effective when rolled out across the country. People who are participating in a vaccine trial may have also engaged in other behaviors, knowing that they were hoping to avoid getting COVID. They may have been more attentive to protecting themselves and not putting themselves in positions where they could get sick. I think there's also a question, Jeremy, about whether if you get vaccinated, you're still transmitting the disease to people who aren't vaccinated. Are you shedding the virus at a high level? We don't know a lot about these vaccines yet. And while this is wonderful news, there is still a long road between announcing these promising findings and then getting a vaccine into the arm of enough Americans to turn the tide of this pandemic. In the meantime, we are approaching the holiday season. Next week is Thanksgiving. There are probably going to be, you know, a good number of people um, traveling, going to different parts, indoors with family or with friends. I mean, I'm just curious. Like, I think this is something a lot of people have been dealing with, myself included. Like, I had to break the news to my parents that I was not going to the Midwest, to Ohio, where cases are spiking right now um, for a Thanksgiving dinner. Like, did either of you have experiences like that? I'm, I'm just curious, like, you know, how do you deal with it? Are, are, are you letting people know you can't do an in-person dinner or, or are you guys doing an in-person dinner? Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 really, it's really difficult. I mean, for me personally, you know, I'm used to going home and we go and see a whole bunch of extended family and, you know, you'll have gatherings of, you know, 20, 25, sometimes 30 people all packed into uh, a lot of times, kind of a small house on uh, in New York or, or or on Long Island. That's just plainly not going to happen, and, and it was kind of out of the question. Um, so, I what we're going to be doing is I I will be going back home, but it'll be you know just my immediate family, the four of us. Uh, it'll be a much you know quieter holiday, obviously. And in order to get to that point, you know we're taking a lot of steps to be safe. You know, getting tested as a precaution early on, you know, making sure that we're not seeing, you know, other people trying to limit our exposure uh, before we go back, because neither I nor my sister wants to go home and have somebody end up coming down with with COVID-19 out of out of all of this. I got to say, Adam, listening to that, um, my parents hear this, they're going to be they're going to be ticked off at me that I just didn't uh, <laughs> do all do all the testing and quarantining it's, in advance. <laughs> you know, and I mean, even with that, even with that, I you know, it's uh, it's 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 nerve wracking. Yeah. It's a uh, it's it's always a question of you know what your risk tolerance is. There's nothing that's ever going to be zero percent. Yeah. You know, even after taking all these precautions, going through all these motions, there is still kind of that little like niggling concern in the back of your mind that. You know what I may be doing, no matter how responsible I am, may not end up well, uh, and that you know just uh, on top of all the other holiday stress, you know that's a, that's a new one I think for us. What about you, Dan? Well, I, I have a couple thoughts on this. First is we tried to get ahead of this Thanksgiving decision by visiting my wife's parents about a month and a half ago, uh, and and we did do everything we could to reduce risk. We drove across the country rather than fly. 
we stayed in Airbnbs at, at like standalone homes. So we weren't interacting with people. We got tested before we got in the car. We got tested when we got there. We wore masks for multiple days until it was clear from the testing and, and the lack of symptoms that we could take them off in the presence of her family. Her parents did the same thing uh, with, with the testing and masks. So it was, it was, you know, the kind of thing that felt a little uncomfortable to be that cautious. But I feel like it, you forget the cautious part and can enjoy the family part pretty quickly. And the more caution you take, the better. But in this case with Thanksgiving, God, I mean, I, I feel like I must be lucky uh, given my situation. First, that I'm a work-obsessed reporter. So I've already trained my family to not expect me uh, to be <laughs> present all the time and especially around <laughs> like big, big events where things might be happening, like a pandemic on my beat. But we are thinking about ways to to supplement or have, have our own family gatherings. And if the weather does cooperate and we're able to get up to um, family that live on the East Coast and do something outside, maybe it won't be on Thanksgiving. But, you know, if, if we're all seeing each other in a safe outdoor environment three days after Thanksgiving, I think that's okay. I guess it's safe to assume that probably most of the nation is not being as careful as you are, as careful as Adam is. Do you think as a result of this, we are likely to see like a, a very significant spike um, over the next few weeks because of the holiday? Unfortunately, yes. I think there's data from other countries where there have been holidays uh, earlier in the year and even from our own evidence in, in America when things on the calendar pull people together and people are in small spaces for an extended period of time, even if you're all feeling fine, all it takes is one asymptomatic person to get everyone sick. So as bad as things have been the past couple of weeks, Thanksgiving could very easily be an accelerator, even if only a fraction of people get together this year. This whole situation, like where we're facing a really grim reality, a, a probable spike in cases as a result of holidays of people, you know, wanting to get together and see each other, and at the same time us getting really hopeful news about vaccines. It's like a really weird situation, I feel like, for a lot of people to deal with. And Adam, I mean, this is kind of an existential question, but like, how do you make sense of this moment that we're in in this pandemic. It's really it's really difficult. I mean, it's the ultimate test of, you know, can we can we hold two ideas in our mind at the same time, right? And it's it's difficult especially when, you know, our nature, I feel like uh almost uniquely as Americans is is especially when it comes to politics or things that are tinged by politics to really try to reduce them and and come to one kind of specific uh conclusion. And here it is really just a balance of you know, things being really bad and and feeling like there is a light at the tunnel, but we just don't know when we're going to hit that. And, you know, again, going back to whether you're you're kind of on the devil or angel side of this, a lot of it is how you just, how you feel, you know, relative to the situation, right? In a vacuum, this pandemic is really bad. It's getting worse. Uh, and the harsh reality is that it's not clear when or whether we will ever go back to, quote, normal, right? Go back to how we were acting and behaving at this time last year. Uh, on the other hand, if you're willing to kind of, you know, take a more optimistic look at it relative to what we've been through for the last eight months, yes, things are improving or have the, the potential to improve incrementally. 
It's just a matter of kind of keeping in mind that none of that is guaranteed, right? That we could still be in this situation next year very easily through, you know, a sequence of events if things don't go as we're hoping and expecting. Adam Cankren, Dan Diamond, thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks very much, Jeremy. Jeremy, thanks for having me, and stay safe. Also today, New York City's public school system, the largest in the country, is temporarily shutting down in-person learning this week as coronavirus infections in the city reach levels that haven't been seen since the spring when New York was the nation's epicenter of the pandemic. When the city brought some 300,000 kids back to school in September, they agreed to close schools if it reached a 3% infection rate on a seven-day average, which Mayor Bill de Blasio says it did on Wednesday. In a briefing, de Blasio said he expects schools to remain closed through Thanksgiving, and the week after the holiday would be the earliest they could reopen. And Republicans in Congress are denouncing President Trump's decision to fire Christopher Krebs, the director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, after he spent days actively debunking the president's baseless voter fraud claims. The move has been criticized by Senate Republicans across the spectrum, from Trump allies to critics of the president. Krebs's firing comes amid a purge of senior officials viewed as insufficiently loyal to the president. Defense Secretary Mark Esper was the first to go, and there are broader fears that Trump could fire CIA Director Gina Haspel or FBI Director Christopher Wray next. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to stay up on our latest reporting on the coronavirus pandemic, sign up for the Politico Pulse newsletter, which is authored every morning by Dan Diamond and Adam Cankren. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening. <laughs>